It's the Scary Show 19 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, James Bastion of DocuDepot and DocuData Software, as well as this week's frightening news. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Report, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. Let's just end. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yeah, this is me. It's a Halloween edition of the Rim Pro Report, and uh, that seems to be Lurch uh, lurking in the background there. Hey, I want to welcome you to this week's show. I'm grateful that you choose to join us on a regular basis. And it, it seems like the entire uh, relatives, the entire family, the Adams family, and the whole entourage, Lurch and the whole crew are in the uh, studio today. And well, we'll just live with them. I, I, I realize that sometimes when these people show up, I, I you know, your relatives, you can't do much about them. There's a touch of madness around here. Yep, Gomez, there is a touch of madness, and uh, that just makes it interesting. So, folks, I'm glad you're here today. I'm looking every week, and I keep searching out and finding incredibly interesting people in this industry to talk to. And as you know, if you've listened for any amount of time on the Rim Pro Report, this is show 19 now, but every week we've had a, a unique kind of interesting And so I'm incredibly grateful for the people who have chosen to share with us. But you know what? I know how interesting you are as well. And I would love the chance to hear your story, to hear what you're about, to hear how you got into this game and what your story is, what your perspective is, and and how you look at this world, this RIM records and information management world and, and the work that we do in it. This week, another incredibly interesting person. I am grateful we're going to get a chance to meet and talk to James Bastion from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, a fellow Canadian, fellow Canuck. Uh, James founded and runs an extremely successful record center in Montreal called DocuDepot and is also the founder of a software company that is sold within the RIM industry uh, called DocuData Software. As such, and with that perspective, I wanted to talk to him today about his story and more. So we'll get to him shortly. Great jumping catfish. Where did you find those monstrosities? Well, you know, James Bastion is a man monstrosity, but I, I, I think we should be cautious in, in terms of calling him that, uh, Gomez. Uh, he's really a, a great guy. He's not a monstrosity at all, and uh, despite the fact that his record center is doing really well. Uh, what do you say we get to the news? I think it's time to go over and find out what's going on in the news. Well, this is a uh, great news. Kerry McGovern, a great friend of mine in the show, announced last week he's working with his 500th RIM services client. Man, that's incredible. Kerry's been in this business 33 years and is a significant contributor to many businesses, to the industry, and to 
the direction the industry has taken, I believe. So congratulations, Kerry. This latest uh, client of his is in China. So, Kerry, you're a legend. Uh, you're a friend. Uh, you're an ally and a colleague. And today, congratulations to you. Speaking of anniversaries, Jake Connor and crew, another Canadian company, uh, celebrates 15 years in serving the document protection industry. So congratulations to Pat and the team at Jake Connor. Our friends at SDB Magazine, uh, that great magazine that comes out in the rim services and destruction industry, is about to launch a survey of what's going on in the industry. And so look for that to appear. And as surveys go, I, I think so often it's helpful when you contribute to those surveys because it helps all of us to learn more about what's happening and, and set standards and understanding of what's going on. So at SDB Magazine, that survey coming out, be sure to fill that one out. Reb Storage Systems has hired some industry veterans and heavy hitters to its team. Uh, Joe Kane, Joanda, Jeff Howard, uh, Lori Pizala, and Ed Sherlock are all part of the uh, are now part of the Reb team and have made Reb a real force to be reckoned with. On another note, Reb is also distributing the Invicta Durasteel fire protection products for vaults and other fireproof walls. And, you know, Reb just really seems to be solidifying its powerful position in the rim racking industry with both these people and this new addition to their distribution, the uh, Invicta Durasteel vaults uh, from Andy Shearer and the team of Juris or Invicta in the UK. Uh, Enterprise Discovery Suite, uh, Iron Mountain's just announced the addition or the um, the launch of the Enterprise Discovery Suite, and no, that is not related to Star Trek. Uh, it's an integrated offering of information governance and discovery capabilities. It integrates content archiving, legal discovery, and data classification functionality for enterprises currently doing discovery with disparate point products. And that includes archiving from Microsoft Exchange, SharePoint, file systems, third-party repositories, and all kinds of stuff. It, it's an interesting-looking product and uh, something you should take a peek at at Iron Mountain there. See what they're doing. As always, we tell the news, but I think there's always interesting um, things to be learned from watching what Iron's doing. Nade board nominations are fully in flow now, and PRISM board elections are well underway. So be sure to cast your votes if you're a member of both or either of those uh, associations. And finally, today, October 28th, is Paper Free Day. This inaugural event is being promoted heavily by AIM, the Association for Information and Image Management. And the, the goal is for people or from around the world, commit today to firstly consciously making, conscientiously making a point not to print. Secondly, investigating business processes or technology that can cut the paper waste out of their offices. And finally, participate or produce a local paper-free day event. And I know there's lots of those going around the country and, uh, and as AIM suggests, around the world. So hopefully... Uh, that is helpful to you in the news has been helpful to you as well. I, I think that's it for now. I, I, ooh, was there something else? Gomez, uh, was there another piece of paper? Oh, this is dreadful. Has your memory been destroyed? Uh, Morticia, no. Uh, 
you know, I, I'm always looking for more news, and I always I felt like there was maybe one more piece I was missing, but the reality is there's no more news. I need it from you. So if you've got news, if you're listening to this on a regular basis and you're aware of something that I need to know, please send it to me. You can do that via the RIMPRO report. You can send me an email. Uh, if you're on the distribution list for the RIMPRO report every week, just reply to that email and send me something or give us a call. Numbers listed on the RIMPROreport.com website. I am pleased today to have James Bastian, who is the founder and president of DocuDepot in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And James is also the founder of DocuData Software, which supplies software to the record center industry. As someone who runs a record center, as well as being a vendor to the industry, I wanted the chance to chat with James about a whole bunch of stuff. So James, are you there? Yes, I am, Tom. James, thanks for being on the call today. Thanks for being on RIMPRO Report. I'm, I'm really glad you're here. So tell me a little bit about your story. Uh, how did you get started in this business? Well, that goes back a few years. Um, actually, when I was a lot younger. Uh, I a was lot between, younger? Like, yeah, let's say I was about 25 or 26 years old. Yeah, okay. Uh, and you're, you're what, in your mid-30s now? I'm, thank you, yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm about 38 right now. That's what I tell my friends and my wife. Okay, good. Sorry, I um, stepped right on your story there, so start again. That, yeah. Uh, so about 19 years ago, in 1991, I was in between careers uh, looking for uh, something to do. And uh, funny enough, my father, who's in business, had a building which was um, being more and more vacant. Uh, he had a warehouse which stored different types of things, and one of the things that it stored was uh, clothing for the clothing manufacturing. And there is a strong, or was a strong, clothing manufacturing in Montreal. Right. And in the recession of the early 90s, uh, that market was hit very heavily. And he had a lot of his customers that were leaving. And so when I approached him, he had an idea from a friend of his, a business partner who was doing uh, self-storage with him, that uh, document storage would be a good thing to try. And we decided to take uh, about 6,000 square feet of the warehouse space and give it a go. So you, you through his sort of impetus, um, decided to get into the document storage business. Well, what did you, did you have any clue what it was about at that point? It, was this just kind of a whim, or how did you sort of begin the genesis of what has become DocuDepot? Well, I had absolutely no clue about the business. My background, strangely enough, was in uh, video club rentals. I had, um, through school part-time and then later on full-time, become the manager of a um, video club rental store. And I had actually implemented a software there to help track videos and owners and how many times they've watched a video or all the videos they've watched. And when I got into this, uh, this, this business... The first thing I did was said, well, you know what, I'm going to spend a time just investigating the business. And one of the lessons my father taught me was always, you don't want to compete on price. So you want to find, you know, a service or a product that's not being offered and be able to come out there and offer that. So I spent a good six months just at the beginning researching, going to see a lot of his contacts, lawyers' accounts he had, and asking them who they dealt with, how did it work, what were the, you know, positive sides about it, and what were the problems. And what blew me away back then was that there was less technology in document management than in video club rentals. Really? 
when I got into this, everything was manual. I mean, I would sit down and look at them, and they would say, well, we have to fill out this manual form, and on this form, we put down our box number and all of that. We send it to our supplier. They will then write down a location and send it back to us. So number one, when they order, they have to actually tell their supplier where it was within the warehouse. And e- even more stunning was that when the supplier had a hard time finding it, they would charge them extra to go look for that box, which they had obviously misplaced. And there was no type of reporting system saying, you know, had that item gone out, how long it had been out for, who had it previously. And that's when I really keyed into it saying, you know, me in the video, world, video club world, we had more tracking abilities than in the document management. Now, again, I'm just talking from my local market in Montreal. I don't know what it was like everywhere else, but, you know, if this represents anything, what it was, you know, in other places, it, it was just... Like, to me, at that age, I was just blown away. But you weren't actively looking at other places at that point. You didn't necessarily know that there was an association that was something you could get involved in. You were, you were just out talking to these people that your father had connected you to. Exactly. And okay. looking to start a document storage business. Okay. Wow. So, so you go out and garner all this information from actively talking to these people, and what happened then? I very quickly discovered that a lot of the marketplace was into just storing boxes for their customers. Okay. And I sat back and said, this is not about box storage. This is about document management, document tracking. And in all of the, let's say, interviews I did and the research I did, I found that the biggest problem that the potential or the clients I was talking to had was keeping track of documents. Storage was easy. You know, you send it off-site or you have it yourself. But the documents, when they move, it seems like in our industry, a large volume of documents are dormant. They just sit there, they collect dust, and eventually they get destroyed if they get destroyed. But when there is movement, it happens very frequently on the same documents. And I ran, since then, reports in our own record center and backed that up. And I did it just on boxes being accessed. And I did over a five-year period, and 80% of the boxes that we had in five years had never been accessed or touched. Hmm. Now, that small volume seems to move a lot, and that was always a problem. Somebody would be looking for uh, either a file, and it was not in the box it was supposed to be, or when they retrieved it, there was missing part of that document. And they had no way of going back in time and finding, you know, who might have, you know, taken out that important document or, 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 or part of that file and used it. So, so this, this conclusion, the, a lot of stuff doesn't move. It, it's really an issue of document tracking. Um, you at this time obviously are asking questions, but are actively starting to get boxes from people? Yes, we were starting to get boxes from people, um, but nowhere, no large clients. There were smaller clients, you know, 200 boxes, 300 boxes. And then our big breakthrough was when we got an accounting firm, and that accounting firm had four or 5,000 boxes, and they were in a huge mess. Hmm. Um, and by then, we had already started developing software. Okay. And we sat back and saying, you know, we really, we, we researched the marketplace uh, to, you know, not a huge research, but in the research we did, we didn't find any software that really suited us. We started with a software made by another record center, but it was really box-based. It didn't even track files. You couldn't even order files. Everything had to be done manually. And that is when uh, we decided to design our own software through the how should I say, misguidance of a programmer who told us it would take three months and cost $20,000. 
<laughs> but you you came, you seem to come from this belief that software is going to help you any is because you had been doing it in the video clubs. Well, I knew that yes, I, some form of software needed to be in place to really work on tracking the history of the item. And I say item because it could be a box, it could be a, a file, it could be a computer backup tape. But you needed to really keep an audit trail of these items for two reasons. One, for your own reasons, stuff coming in and out of your record center and if you have any issues, but mainly for the client. So that when they went ahead and ordered this file, they had everybody who's ever manipulated. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the historical information of their own client base, but even our own employees. We want it to be as completely transparent to our clients as possible. And back then, we realized that this was not a, 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 a box storage industry. This was a, a document management and storage industry. And when I'm talking documents, I'm not just talking physical documents. I'm talking also, you know, documents in, in an electronic format. Hmm. So b- back then, and we're talking, you, you said 19 years ago, but let's say you're a couple of years into that, you're beginning to develop this software, and this software, are you thinking differently about that? You're, you're saying you, you don't see it as a, as a box storage business, it's a document management business. How are you then, at that point in time, thinking about this software you're creating? You're, you've got a programmer doing something. H- how are you building that? Uh, based on the knowledge you've had with the interviews you've done trying to get people to store their boxes with you? Well, the number one thing we did was say this is a document business. People don't store boxes. They store files. They store documents. They don't order boxes. They order the document itself. It just happens that the boxes, the container used to either transport them or store them in. Okay. So the whole focus was to start at the document level, to be able to first enter the document into the system, to track it on as early as possible the document is created, to then track that document going into its you know, box or its container and then going off-site and being kept there. So the primary focus we had was really starting at the document level and through our open relationship with our clients and our, our clients-to-be and hearing about their, their, their problems, we then realized that we had to go a step further. We couldn't just manage the documents that were, we were storing. We just had a portion of what they had. Right. We need to also look at giving them a tool because they're telling us, saying, look, we don't want to have two, three different systems to look for a document. We like everything done under one system. And way back when we did this in the 90s, we actually developed a, a software that they would link in through their modems through a type of, uh, now you have them as log me in, or, but yeah. back there I think it was PC Anywhere. Right. And so they were going ahead and logging into it and starting to do all this data entry. And back then, you know, the, the high speed was 9,600 baud modems. <laughs> so we had people typing like 10 times faster than the, the transmission of the data. Would even work. So they found it very cumbersome and slow. And as this got developed and we got really popular, next thing you know, we have four, five, six, seven PCs in a server room hooked up to these phone lines working with, you know, 10 or 20 customers. We said, this is going to get outrageously expensive. And that's when we went back to the drawing board and we realized that a lot of this data did not have to be transmitted live and we actually created a document management software which replicated with the record center. So two independent databases that they would behind the scenes talk to each other. So our clients were able to have one, five, ten users on their side doing data entry, tracking, everything they needed to 
and the transmission was being done still by these, you know, by then it was, I think we were at 2400 baud modems right. or, you know, 14.4, sorry, baud modems. Yeah. And that transmission was being done there behind the scenes, so it wasn't slowing them down. And we converted everything down to one PC handling all this replication where we had five PCs uh, before. Wow. So this is all starting to take place, but the the record center is apparently growing because it sounds like your, your PCs are humming along. And, and so you, you have had this unique uh, position of not only um, building a record center on one side, but also sort of managing the development of software on the other side to support your client base and support uh, the activity you're doing. Were you outselling the software or were you out in, in terms of to your clients, were you more selling the 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 software application or the boxes you could put on the shelves and your retrieval ability to get at their files and documents? I was more selling a concept. Okay. And what I mean by that was I wasn't doing either or. I wasn't selling software and I wasn't selling the warehouse. I was selling a concept of we will come in here. We have tools available to you to help you track your files from the beginning, from the moment that they're in-house, they're created, track them from an in-house status, track their movement, help you put them into boxes, and then send them off-site and track them while they're off-site. While doing that, and again, listening to our clients, we also realized that one of the big problems, and we were fortunate in the beginning because a lot of our clients were legal firms. Okay. And they seemed to be some of the more demanding clients, and they were having a lot of problems tracking these files. And one of the things that became apparent was that you know, you can have the best of staff working at the law firm, but after 5 o'clock when they go home, the lawyers don't. And they go into those file rooms and start taking things out, don't tell anybody. And it was, it was the next day when we pick up the boxes, they're sitting back thinking that, oh, that's great, my boxes are complete, these files are going off-site, not realizing that someone that night went in and took one or two files out. Uh. Three months later, that same lawyer would be screaming at them because they can't find the file. Right. And eventually, they would go into their office during lunchtime because they knew the lawyer would never admit it and find it on the massive uh, piles of right. files that they had on their desk. Right, right. So we started creating this reputation through law firms to being able to really help them track their files and almost be like an auditor. So what would happen, because they were on the same system and they were putting these barcodes on all the files, as these boxes of files would come in, we started a new service called File Validation. And we would, the system would actually prompt us saying, this box has files. You need to scan the barcodes of the files. We would scan all the barcodes of the files and immediately notify them if anything was missing. This became very easy for them to track at this point because they knew which lawyer, which person was working on it the, the, the previous night or the previous day. They were able to make a phone call and find out that, oh, they still have it. And in the system, say, well, that item is out to so-and-so person. Again, going back to the whole thing about tracking. Okay. And keeping track of these files. So, the, so and, you really then were developing a software that was tr primarily focused on helping them locally as well, very, very much local orientation. Yes. At, at we were listening of, to our clients' needs, saying, we are developing this for you. What do you need out of our services and the software we're creating for you for you to be able to do your job better? Because mm -hmm. we came, we, at an early point, we realized that they have their own clients. That when a lawyer calls the file room, each lawyer is their client. We are their supporting staff. If we don't do a good job, they can, it's impossible for them to do a good job. Right. So we worked as a team with them to 
basically increase the service that they were giving to their client base, which was their end users. Right. And what that did was, too, it built the confidence within their own firm that their group worked really well, and they started trusting more and more of the documents to go to them, which eventually came off-site. So it had a two-time effect with us, which was, first of all, we started getting more and more documents from our customers and more active documents, which increased our service levels with them. Right. So, so you you then are are moving. You know, your your record center is growing, but you're actually where maybe other record centers were doing a lot of just storage. You're doing high activity on your active files on your twenty percent. We were only doing document storage and box and file retrieval. We weren't doing computer backup dictation. We weren't doing any shredding. And already at that point, close to fifty percent of our revenues was service. Wow. Wow. We were going, for some clients, we were going three to four times every day. Wow, that's amazing. But for them, it was a cost savings because they were taking expensive office space, reducing it for files, and adding offices, which were revenue generating for them, sending their files off-site, and they knew that they could get the, the items back quickly. They had a good tracking system to keep track of them, and they got them back on time. Yeah. So the um, the evolution of the record center, uh, it, you know, that has obviously significantly grown. You have, I don't know if you're, I assume you're the largest privately run record center in Montreal now. Yes. So I mean, you're you're you've been huge and growing. Obviously, this has had a huge impact on your marketplace. Tell tell me about kind of where you are today with the record center. You're talking about size-wise? Yeah, I mean, you know, rough, rough guesses Roughly, on we're it. Just, we're just shy of 1.3 million boxes. Wow. Uh, we do 150 deliveries a day, and of that, about 22 to 23 of those are rushes. Wow. So we're very busy with our clientele. We store a lot of what I would call not necessarily active, active files, but, you know, semi-active, pretty active files. Uh, and our clients really appreciate the service. They trust in us. And we've, we've gone where we've taken a client away from the competition. Uh, and uh, memory serves me well. We have one that, when I was after them, had 18,000 boxes. Once we transfer them over and they realize that the service they paid for they got and they had very strong tracking on it, within 18 months they were close to 30,000 boxes. Wow. Wow. And we've done this successfully with many firms. Hmm. over and over again. Just recently, we had a law firm that was working with two suppliers of the, because they had started their new boxes with us, and they were moving, and they had still another 12,000 boxes on site that they were storing. When they compared the two, and they realized that they were no longer going to have those 12,000 boxes on site, they were going to shrink their file room by two-thirds, they transferred everything over to us. We went from storing 11,000 boxes to 45,000 boxes in 18 months. Wow, that's significant. That, that Talk about huge uh, internal growth. <laughs> oh, yeah, some years we had uh, internal growth of 18%. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, s- um, simultaneous to building this powerful uh, local record center, you are taking the software you've developed and... And not only just building it for yourself, you you now start thinking about how do I sell this to the world? Tell me a little well, bit about that evolution. Well, in reality, we never really thought about selling it to the world. Uh, I started going to the PRISM shows uh, probably 96, 97, around then. Uh, 
Okay. And going to the shows, there's a lot of networking going on and people talking. And back then, the Internet was nowhere near as powerful as it is now. Right. One of the big topics, and I think one of the conferences, was how to get your clients to do more ordering online. Yeah. And most people were, were, were struggling to get people up to 10%. Back then, I already had over 90% of all my orders coming in electronically. Wow. So people wow. started, you know, you know, you start networking and saying, well, how are you doing? And I told them the numbers I was doing. They were like, how did you attain that kind of number? And I started explaining what we had done in Montreal, and they showed a lot of interest. And that, after that show, I went back to Montreal, spoke to my people there, and said, you know, I think we got a software that other people might be interested in. I say next year, let's go down a couple of people with our laptops and, you know, maybe present a few uh, people our software and see what they think about it. And it just evolved from there. Wow. Very cool. And obviously that part of the business, and I, I know that's your, your business and you have partners in that, but uh, that the software business has evolved dramatically because now you have, you have locations all over North America and around the world. Actually, we have location all over the world. Wow. Very cool. Well, congratulations yeah. on that. Well, um, thank you. How has the development of software, the software side, and working with other record centers changed the way you run your local record center business? Well, that's kind of uh, the great thing about the position I'm sitting in, mm -hmm. is that through the software side, I've been able to talk to so many record center owners, visited so many different record centers. Then we implement our software, and in every implementation, we learn something. It's really amazing how in this industry there are so many innovative people out there. Oh, yeah. And there's great things to learn at everything that we do. And we, we're, like, we're like sponges. We soak it up. We look at something. And because we're, we're not programmers from nature, we're actually record center people, we understand this. So we sit there and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then we, we start incorporating that into our, our, our software. And at the same time, we also realize that, you know, we're not, you know, the smartest people in the world. So what we do is when we get an idea, we, through the community we have, because we start a listserv with all of our record centers, is we send out that idea on the listserv, and then everyone starts adding their point, and, hey, this will make it better, that will make it better, and we wind up getting a much better product. And that's done two things. One, it's improved the software, but also it's changed how we do things in Montreal because it's given us ideas of doing things better, yeah. more efficiently. Yeah, and and that's that's to me the genius of community and and the the evolution. It's it's I th I think what's kind of cool from your perspective though is you're actually thinking not just in terms of how does this uh, help the record center business, the the docu depot business. How does it uh, affect the software and the integration of those two can be very powerful from your perspective. I would think. Yes, very much, and they go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. So given your position in the industry, being someone who develops software, sells it to the industry, as well as running a an active and very successful record center, uh, what are some of the things that, that sort of you uh, either keep you up at night or concern you about the industry in general? What are the sort of big points for you in terms of where things are going in the world? Um, what, what are you adding into your strategic planning uh, from the perspective of of your business, the the record center business, that would be maybe helpful to share. Well, we all know that this industry is evolving. Yeah. It's been evolving for many years. Uh, I would say that the catalyst, what really started having a change a lot faster, was the whole Enron. 
And when people started to realize the value that these papers had and that you could no longer just say, oh, sorry, I don't have them, because all laws started to change, yeah. and it, these documents became very valuable. So people started realizing, I need to have more control on my documents, more tracking abilities. And I like that, because that's exactly what we had been preaching from right. the beginning on this. And some people would just be like, well, no, you know, if something happens, then we just say, well, you guys lost them, or they were, you know, flooded, and they would leave us alone, to realizing, no, I can't lose these documents. i got to make sure that I know where they are at all times. Now I see it evolving to a more electronic format. And what's very strange is that when you look at this, I still see storage growing at the same pace it always has. Uh, there's boxes coming in nonstop. You know, I mean, one of our things is that we're always making sure we have enough room just for our internal growth that's right. coming in every day. Right. But we also know that people are using different tools, and we see that they're using more electronic tools to access their records. So they seem to be keeping multiple copies. They have an electronic <laughs> copy, they have a paper copy, right. and they're not comfortable yet, and I don't know if they ever will be, but they're not comfortable yet to start destroying it. I know in, in the health industry, especially in the U.S., it's very different, but in almost every other industry, and in Canada, <clears throat> you know, the paper is still the dominant form of storing yeah. data. Absolutely, yeah. But they're using other forms to access it. So I have been seeing a trend in our own record center where some of our service uh, activity is going down. Because I track all of our service activities for every month. I know how many items we pull, how many items we refile, everything we do. And I have been seeing for the past 24 months a bit of a downward trend. Hmm. Wow. So the... the uh that is leading you then obviously into how do we incorporate the scanning and imaging? Are you, are you actively doing that from the perspective of your record center? Yeah, we're actively uh, promoting scanning and imaging, okay. uh, especially the, the, the more like scanning on demand where yep. uh, a client is storing a document with you. And now I call imaging a different form of delivery. I say now that we're storing the hard copy, when you need it back, think why do you need it? And in a lot of instances, someone is recalling a document to make a copy of it. Well, that's very expensive. Yeah. I mean, if you go to Staples and you want to make copies of a document, they'll charge you 30 cents a page. Right. And we all know we can image it for a lot less. Plus, you don't have the transport charge. You don't have to refile. You don't have the labor charge. You have the scanning charges. But those will, you know, very closely get, you know, you know, they're comparable to what it will cost on all the other fronts of the transport and, and the labor of sending and bringing it back. Right. And Just then once that's imaged, that document, when you need in the future, now you have the choice. They'll want it hard copy or electronic. Cool. So it's, it's really, I, I, it's fun. It's a fun time because what it's doing is that it really comes down to that we are in information management. Yep. That information can reside physical, electronic, and we've developed the tools through our software to say that, when you go ahead and you add a record, what format do you want to You want to add electronic? You want to add a paper? You want to have an image copy? So when you look at a record, that record will give you results. So you do a search, and you're looking for Tom Adams. Mm -hmm. Tom Adams will come up in the results, and then you'll see you have a file or a document. That file doesn't necessarily mean it's a paper file. It could just be an electronic file. It could be a bunch of emails that were sent back and forth that then got converted to uh, an image document and a paper document. And you have the choice of saying, which one do I want to work with? Right. Right. So I think that it is expanding our marketplace into a world where we all know that the information, <clears throat> electronic information, grows by leaps and bounds every year. Yeah. Now, and it's huge. And that's, that's, to me, that's why this industry is so incredibly exciting and so 
uh, so much fun to be a part of, and I, I appreciate your perspective on it. Hey, uh, if you had the chance to go back and talk to uh, the the video club guy who was getting into the record storage document management business 19 years ago, with what you know today, what would you go back and tell him? Honestly? Yeah, honestly. Hang on there. It's going to be a long road because this is an industry that doesn't go fast. Okay. Um, so be patient. Uh, be patient uh, because when I got into this, my expectations were very different. You know, it's a long road, but everything else turned out to be just the way, you know, I like it. It's a great industry. You build a relationship with your customers. I you, I worked in retail. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was doing the video store, I also worked in retail, selling audio and video equipment. And that's a one-off. You yeah. know, sometimes you get a client come back two or three times. What I like about that, and I love about this industry, is you build a relationship with your clients. A lot of them become friends. Yeah. And you see them over and over again. And they appreciate the service you're giving them. And so it's a really nice relationship. And I love that about this industry. You're just, every year you bring on customers, you're building relationships, bigger and bigger relationships with more and more people. That's very cool. Hey, before we, we close off this call, one of the things that I, I find interesting is that, you know, that you're, you're, a, you're a unique character to yourself. So I've got a few questions for you, just off the top of your head, quick answers, nothing more than that. What's your perfect vehicle? You know, I was worried you're going to do this. I listened to your interview a couple of weeks ago when you did this, <laughs> and I actually started thinking about it. All right. So perfect vehicle. I- I don't have one perfect vehicle. Honestly, it would be two different vehicles. I like the sports sedan for the you know quickness and, and the convenience, and I also like the SUV for obviously you know family reasons. Okay, so you're not going to give us any brands at this point. No, I'm not going to give you any brands. Okay, profession. I change, I change my cars too often, so I can't tell. you Okay, that. so if you had, you could do one other profession other than the one you're already in. What would you like to attempt? Writer. Be a writer. Okay. What's your favorite word currently? My favorite word? Your favorite word. Can be anything. This is a this is a not even a family show necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think of a word my four year old is using all the time, which will turn into my favorite word, but uh, okay. So nothing honestly, there. All right. Probably when I get home and he says daddy. Okay. That's your favorite word. That's cool. If you had the opportunity to do lunch with one person you've never met but you greatly admire, who would that person be? Albert Einstein. Okay. Einstein. Uh, I, I'm not sure you can do that and pull that one off. I, I know you can accomplish lots of other stuff. So given that there's a bucket list of a lot of things you want to do in your lifetime, and I think many of us have those, uh, and when you build a really cool business, you sometimes have the opportunity to do more of those things. What's the current priority on your list in terms of those hundred things you want to do before you die? I would have to say just be able to spend more time with my family cool well man i i believe that you will and can and i am very grateful for the opportunity to talk to you about it all today james it's been been a pleasure having you on the rim pro report uh thanks continued success in both your record center and in uh docudata software and the work you're doing in both of those fronts it's exciting it's it's really cool and thanks for the uh, contribution you make to our industry Tom, thanks a lot for having me on. All right. Cheers. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. 
Well, there you have it. Another show. Another show completed here on the Rim Pro Report. I'm glad that you were able to join us today. Special thanks to James Bastian for an incredibly informative, interesting conversation. I am grateful to James for being here. Thank you, too, for being a part of this. If you have anything you want to share with us, if you have a story to tell, if you have some news to pass along, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week, and happy Halloween. We'll talk to you next one. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.